1: voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org, iLeadersSummit.org. Welcome to America's Roundtable.
0: It is Saturday morning, and welcome to America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. This weekend on America's Roundtable, we're honored to host a principal leader and a tireless champion for freedom, Ambassador Carla Sands. In 2017, President Trump called on Carla Sands to represent the United States of America as the ambassador to Denmark, Greenland, and the Faroe Islands. During her tenure, Denmark increased its defense spending, while U.S. exports to the Kingdom of Denmark rose over 43%, resulting in the creation of additional jobs right here in America. Carla Sands also played a leading role in the business sector when she became the first woman to serve as chairman and CEO of Vintage Capital Group. Welcome, Ambassador Carla Sands. It's great to have you back on America's Roundtable.
1: Welcome, Ambassador Sands. Thank you to both you, Natasha and Joel. I'm so happy to talk to you today. Ambassador Sainz, uh, you have been on the forefront in addressing America's losing its energy independence and how energy security impacts our nation's economic future and national defense. Today, our fellow Americans are seeing the national average of gas prices at the pump well above $4. Now, some may say that prices have gone down, However, when President left office in January 2021, our friends in Houston, Texas, were paying $2.06. The difference is that today, Americans are paying over $4 per gallon, a 100% increase. In less than one year in office, Biden administration significantly eroded America's energy independence and energy security. On his first day in office, Biden cancelled Keystone XL pipeline, which would have provided us with Canadian and crude oil, and at the same time created regulatory barriers discouraging fossil fuel production at home. And then soon after, Biden welcomed Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline from Russia to Germany, operated by Russia's Gazprom. These two Biden's decisions undid America's energy independence, solidified Europe's energy dependence on Russia, while bolstering Russia's Putin leverage and revenues to wage a war against Ukraine. And on this vital front of securing energy independence and assuring energy security, you and your colleagues, America's ambassador to Germany and the European Union, co-authored an op-ed piece in Germany's prominent media group Deutsche Welle. Well before Russia's invasion of Ukraine, you warned Europeans and American citizens. And in your piece you write And I quote, European capitals should show that they stand in solidarity with Ukraine and are safeguarding their people's energy interests and help close the book on this ill-conceived project. Europe should not willingly turn over the control of its energy security to an adversary. Turning the project off would send a clear message that Moscow cannot get away with aggression against its neighbors and meddling in our democracies end of quote. This was written on July 2nd, 2019, and your pressing words foretold what we are experiencing today. Ambassador Sands, can you delve into this vital issue of energy independence and energy security, and its importance for America, its future, and for the security of our allies, including its impact on working families, the decent and hard-working citizen and small businesses in the United States? Well, sure I can. Thank
2: you very much, Natasha, uh, for that overview. Yes, I've been working on the energy issue since 2017. And most recently, while I was running for office here in Pennsylvania, understanding that Pennsylvania is second only to Texas for our energy reserves. And we, as a matter of fact, have enough energy just in the ground in Pennsylvania alone to power our entire country cleanly for over 300 years. So we have an abundance of energy under the ground in the United States, and we harvest it more cleanly here than anywhere else in the world, you know. There is a war, certainly, on our domestic energy production by not just the Biden administration, but it's larger than that. It's really the leftists in America, the, and now they're controlling the Democrat Party, um, have a, a, an idea that we can have security and, and economic prosperity and basically reduce or wind down our use of fossil fuels and go to complete renewable energy. But that's a utopian dream, and anyone with common sense knows that. We know that we need fossil fuels, that they're essential for for prosperity for humans all across the world. For instance, many of the products we we use in our cars, in our homes, in our workplace, they come from fossil fuels, and it's when they split the molecules apart in these, many times it's in something called a cracker plant, where they literally uh, do the molecular uh, work, and then they create these products made from fossil fuels. And it includes medicines, home products, uh, defense products. It's all throughout our, our daily lives, we're using products of fossil fuels, but also our steel is made from coal. So all of these wonderful resources that we have in the United States are essential, not just for our prosperity and well-being, but for the world. And we don't want to outsource them to other countries, especially not third world countries where they're harvested in a much dirtier way. For instance, when Venezuelan energy is created, it's seven times dirtier than when it's uh, created or harvested right here in the US. And For anyone that's concerned about the planet or this is their biggest agenda, you can see that we should be uh, harvesting our energy here in the US and then we need support from our government so that we can lay the pipes, we can build the refineries we need for our energy security, and then we have to be able to move it across our country. I'll just give you a local example, is that we're not able to put our Pennsylvania energy in a pipe and send it to New England for decades. New England was, they heated their homes and powered their, uh, their, their manufacturing with Russian energy instead of with domestic energy. And that's perverse. So I believe that we need to have good policies and take away uh, many of the NIMBY rules and meddling that stop us from harvesting, building our refineries. And laying the pipes. But I also will say that companies need to have confidence that if they invest, and it takes a lot of money uh, to invest to build these um, capabilities, but if they think that a new administration will come in and destroy their investment, just like the Biden administration did when President Biden on day one with an executive order, just his signature, took away Keystone XL pipeline. And the billions of dollars that the investors had invested in that important project, companies aren't going to feel confident to invest in the US if they don't have uh, the, not just the regulatory uh, framework, but confidence that, that government isn't going to come in and destroy their investments. So they need that kind of confidence as well, so that they don't go to other countries where they, I mean, I can't even believe I have to say this, that it's more friendly to investment for energy uh, production. So we need big changes and we also need to stop the lawfare. That's the legal warfare where come, uh, you know, um, lawyers funded by these green radicals come in at the last minute and try to scuttle energy projects. And that happens all across our country where we have radical leftists try to shut down energy production, harvesting movement. Um, you know, building even, you can't even tell me the last time we built a nuclear reactor, the safest, greenest, uh, most sustainable energy. And so because of all the lawfare and um, how green green groups have made it impossible uh, to really expand our energy um, dominance so that we're once again dominant, like we were under President Trump, we really need that strong, principled, um, conservative leadership. And it shouldn't be just conservative. It's an American issue. It shouldn't be partisan at all to bring down the gas so that our working families can afford to not just fill their tank, but also buy groceries.
0: Indeed, and I really appreciate you clearly articulating the challenges that we're facing, but also articulating the principal solutions that are so much needed for America today. Ambassador Sands, President Biden recently toured the Middle East, and his appeal to Saudi Arabia fell flat when the oil-rich country did not commit to a major increase in oil production. Even the left-leaning Washington Post had its headline stating, OPEC's tiny oil increase shows Biden's fist bump diplomacy failed. And a quote from the Washington Post states, Saudi Arabia will boost monthly production by a mere 100,000 barrels, or 0.1% of global demand for crude. As we met with leaders in Israel recently, there was a resounding message that America's leadership on the world stage is waning, and that when it comes to Israel, America's strong ally in the region, Biden's most recent visit and his administration's policies are causing problems in this part of the world. And over the past week, Israel has been targeting terrorists in Gaza, specifically the Iranian backed Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and its presence in the West Bank, which we we call Judea and Samaria. And in fact, the UN put out these numbers stating that Palestinian militants unleashed 1,100 rockets and mortars into Israel. And the AP stated, I quote, close to one-third of the Palestinians who died in the latest outbreak of violence between Israel and Gaza militants have been killed by errant rockets fired by the Palestinian side, unquote. Ambassador Sands, what are your thoughts about this dangerous trend, the perception of American weakness on the global stage when compared to the bold and principled leadership of presidents such as President Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump, and what are the steps that ought to be taken in shoring up American leadership in this most strategic part of the world and supporting Israel rather than propping up Iran, a state sponsor of terrorism.
2: That's a very, very important issue. We saw that disastrous visit. You have to wonder why he did that when he had already been told by Macron at a meeting about a week or so earlier, you know, the Saudis aren't going to increase. They told me. And uh, so I don't believe the U.S. president should go to meetings without knowing the outcome (laughs) before they show up. But just like Joe Biden, when Barack Obama went over and asked for the the Olympics, not knowing the outcome, he comes back with egg on his face. I mean, if you're the U.S. president, you better have things negotiated at the working level before you show up so that you can actually, you know, do the victory lap and not be a chump. But our relationship with Israel is so important. And working with the State Department, one of our most important efforts was making sure that anti-Semitism wasn't an issue in the countries where we worked, that we promoted a strong Israel in the Middle East. And we focused on that every day. In fact, while I was there, the Danish parliament tried to ban male circumcision. And so you can imagine in a first world country, Europe, trying to ban male circumcision would be so shocking to and disenfranchising to jewish people who that's one of the mosaic commandments um, to be circumcised as a you know little boys are but um i think that if you look at ronald reagan and donald trump they led with peace through strength a strong america is a safer world because the world needs our principled leadership we bring good things to the world not the chaos and the cruelty uh that the Chinese Communist Party, or at this moment, the Russian government brings, Putin specifically, we have to reinstate the maximum pressure on the Iranian leadership that we had under President Trump. The people of Iran, they're educated, they're young, they want opportunity, just like the young people here in the United States. But the leadership is corrupt they're siphoning off billions of dollars into their personal accounts and they are misusing the funds that they get. It doesn't go to the people and to their benefit for the most part. They're also the number one state sponsors of terrorism around the world, funding Hamas, the Houthi rebels, uh, their Quds Force, and they only understand power. So I believe that the United States should make it very difficult for them to operate and we should dry up the funds and you know that they use to export their terror. We're not doing that right now. Instead, we're promising them billions of dollars. It's unbelievable. And we know that it's not money that goes to a virtuous cause. So I appreciated when President Trump said, we're pulling out of the JCPOA. And that was that agreement that would allow them to slowly get a nuclear weapon. And in exchange, they would get sanctions lifted, they'd be allowed to, you know, export some of their energy. I mean, we're not buying it. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Biden administration at some point during his time in office goes to Iran and asks to buy their energy, which is so terrible for the world. But we know that a strong America is a, is a stronger and safer world. And so I believe We need to get back to the foreign policy in the likes of President Trump and Secretary Mike Pompeo.
1: Ambassador Sands, uh, this past week, the Senate passed the so-called Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, claiming that it will help bring down inflation. Uh, Democrats claimed that they would raise roughly $740 billion in revenue, spend roughly $430 billion, and reduce the deficit by $300 billion over a decade. And through proposed legislation, some $369 billion, which is 86% of total expenditures, would be spent on climate and energy programs, including tax credits for buying electric and hydrogen vehicles and making energy-efficient home improvements. Now, revenue would come from a combination of 15% minimum tax on large, as they say, profitable corporations, And secondly, tax enforcement by the IRS, with additional $80 billion taxpayers' dollars invested in the nation's tax agency over the next 10 years. And let me briefly share the Kiplinger Letter statement, which is a weekly business and economic forecasting periodical, and I quote, It remains to be seen whether the Inflation Reduction Act actually reduces inflation. It is, after all, first and foremost a spending bill, and new government spending tends to be inflationary. Ultimately, Federal Reserve policy, the entangling of the global supply chain, and increased energy production to offset the effects of Russian sanctions will have far more impact on inflation. End of quote. Uh, Ambassador Sands Is this what Americans need when they are hit by inflation, high gas prices, and experiencing economic hardship? Are our fellow Americans aware how this bill and its policies will impact working families and small businesses?
2: Well, you know, Natasha, I don't think that the Republicans are really getting our message out adequately to talk about why this is a bad idea. The Democrats tried to do this kind of um, bill, and it was more than, I think, around $2 billion. They weren't able to get that passed, but then they got Cinema and Mansion to go along with this. It's not going to uh, reduce inflation. It's not going to. We know when the government expands the money supply, inflation increases. In fact, Wharton even said, you know, it's kind of a wash. But in a, as a matter of fact, I think it's going to stoke inflation. But I also worry about the consequences for our working men and women. If you look at that 87,000 new IRS agents, they're not coming for millionaires and billionaires. They're Millionaires and billionaires are already being audited and watched carefully. This is about coming for the working people, the waiters, the independent workers. That's where they believe that they're going to find pots of money that, helped in, you know, that they can bring in the door. If you'll recall, early on in the Biden administration, they even proposed, they wanted to know every transaction in every American's bank account over $400. And there was such a public outcry. And they said, well, then we'll raise it. And I think it was in the thousands. But that's the camel's nose under the tent of being able to examine every single person's finance. Well, we have privacy rights under our constitution. The government doesn't, it's not allowed to uh, peek in in private areas. And that just brings me to the raid in Mar-a-Lago. They, if they have, uh, the, of course they can go in and request records, but they didn't do it in an orderly, respectful way that would show Not just respect for President, former President Trump, but also for the rule of law. Instead, it was another pre-dawn raid, just like they did on Roger Stone not that long ago when they had CNN cameras standing by. So this administration is no friend of the working people. We can see that because the inflation that's caused by this bill is one of the problems, but so is new taxes. There's about $25 billion in new taxes on energy in this bill, and that those taxes are going to be passed on to working people when they're trying to fill their tank. It's going to cause the price of energy to go up. It may not go up tomorrow or the next day, but I promise you that these taxes will be passed on to the consumer. That's how it works. I, I am so disappointed. That here in an, an evenly divided Senate, with Kamala Harris being the, the, you know, the tie-breaking vote, that they wouldn't respect that we live in a constitutional republic and that there's supposed to be debate and compromise. And instead, they jammed a very bad bill. It's, it's, there's going to be a thousand cylinders in this bill. In other words, basically cronyism where billions of dollars are going to go to their buddies' projects in the green industry. There are so many bad things in this bill. Another is the um, credits. In other words, there's going to be a transfer of thousands of dollars for every new electric vehicle sold to people under, I think it was, $200,000 a year. Well, that's a gift to the rich. Middle-class people in America are not making $200,000 a year. So again, they're shoveling money to the rich to buy electric vehicles. And it's it's such a war on the working people and the middle class. The Democrat Party has left them. The Republican Party welcomes everyone. And we want everyone to have prosperity and, and do better in America. We're not at war with our energy. We support all kinds of energy, but we also aren't going to take The gas-powered cars from people, people use their cars for a long time. We don't believe that it's necessary uh, to stop the use of gas-powered cars because those are wonderful, efficient modes of transportation. And in the United States, a big country, we like our combustion engine vehicles. We don't want the government to tell us you have to buy an electric car. That's the opposite of American freedom. That sounds more like European socialism, and we reject that. But I think we need to do a better job educating the people of America, and we need more reliable outlets to get our message out. I don't think that we're doing enough to educate people on the, uh, they can see the results, but they need to understand why, and why the uh, Green New Deal advocates and the left, the Biden administration, and the Democrats are not supportive of prosperous middle-class
0: Americans. Indeed, and well stated in regard to some of these great problems that we're facing. In fact, I remember what Natasha was saying a few weeks ago is the fact that when uh, people are complaining about Uh, and rightfully so, about the high gas prices, it seems that the administration is saying, well, if you're fed up of these high prices, then buy a Tesla. And that doesn't match the struggles of the American family, the working class that is struggling on a daily basis. And Ambassador Sands, one of America's allies in Asia, Taiwan, stated that China rehearsed an attack on the island. And according to the BBC, I quote, the heightened tensions follow a trip to Taiwan by a US delegation led by senior Democrat Nancy Pelosi. And China views the visit as a challenge to its claims of sovereignty over Taiwan, which sees itself as distinct, unquote. And it appears, from what we gather, that America's adversaries are not only taking advantage of the perceived weakness that we just talked about, but in the case of China, the Communist Party leadership has taken saber rattling to a whole new level and testing the Biden administration. Now, Biden's critics have also conveyed their concerns regarding Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, and the allegations of dubious involvement with China's state owned businesses. These businesses are controlled by top Communist Party officials and their private partners. Americans deserve an answer. And in America's Roundtable, we have raised these concerns about the threats posed by China, the communist nation's military buildup, cyber attacks, theft of intellectual property, which rob America's innovators and companies. And this is just a small example of the many challenges we face when countering china's belligerent actions ambassador sands what are the differences that you have observed when comparing the trump administration's response to china and the current biden administration's approach
2: i think you said a lot right there it's very disappointing i mean and i'm being you know (laughs) i'm sort of understating it uh to see the biden administration's behavior toward the People's Republic of China because the Chinese Communist Party is in charge. And this is a criminal enterprise. They do not respect the rule of law. They do not respect international norms. They have publicly stated that they want to become the global hegemon. They're making a lot of progress by taking leadership roles at the UN. They control the World Health Organization. They control other international organizations that help them implement their uh, Chinese, uh, it's socialism with Chinese characteristics is what they call it. We know that we're in a race for supremacy against the Chinese Communist Party. For instance, there's quantum computing, something I worked on as a US ambassador to help our allies choose the United States, not uh, the Chinese Communist Party to partner with on quantum computing. We want to make sure that the United States wins in this race with Artificial intelligence, another race that we're in for supremacy. It concerns me that some American companies are cooperating with the Chinese in this, in these areas, because we know that they steal, right? And then they get control. Even in our universities, how they have, they, they steal the research funded by American taxpayers in various means. They may go in personally. They may. Uh, Steal it by other means. They may buy the company under, you know, a false front company. It may people may not even know it's a Chinese buyer in these very important areas. For instance, military technology or something called dual-use technology, which is a civil-military fusion in the research and development of these products. In other words, it may look like it's just for use in industry, but it could also be used in China's military buildup, which they're building up their military much faster than we are. They have a larger Navy than we have today. These are real credible threats to the United States and our supremacy uh, around the world. And the fact that China doesn't just look at this as a military competition, it's a trade competition. It's the open lines of communication, meaning Can we actually move our goods on the sea or are they going to block us in various areas? So they are looking at this as a whole of civilization conflict. They even try to influence American school boards, American local governments. They seed money into community efforts, into the arts, and their, their influence is then able to be exerted in all these different areas. They have the largest influence a campaign throughout the, the media globally bigger than the United States their efforts are everywhere And so how do you combat that? Well you have to make an effort to push back but promote American rule of law the fact that uh, we don't steal you know that we respect other nations but we want to have a, a, a benign influence and not uh, and not a malign influence like the CCP has. So we're in a race for supremacy and also for the systems so that our systems of, say, quantum computing rule, not the uh, PRC's systems, because that would also be bad. Whoever controls that controls the keys to every security system in the world, every military system in the world. So that's why it's so important that we win. We also see that the Biden administration is compromised and corrupt that there's family money that's flowed, tens of millions of dollars from uh, Chinese companies, some controlled by uh, Chinese party officials at the even highest level, as Hunter Biden has admitted. It's shocking to me. So he's corrupt and compromised, so we'll never get honest, good leadership from this administration against the Chinese Communist Party. And then we have their influence on members of our Senate, and our Congress and their staff. Some of them go to work for companies like ByteDance, for instance. They'll go and be a lobbyist for ByteDance. Well, ByteDance is the parent company of uh, TikTok, which is um, a, you know an amusing video system that uses AI and finds what the watcher wants to see and floods them with that content. But it, it also it's also have it has anti-American information. It has Chinese supremacy information. It has videos that have caused, caused or influenced girls to commit suicide, do unhealthy behaviors. And so, and China doesn't allow their youth to be on this product. In fact, I think I read Chinese children. She has declared can only be on their devices and play video games two hours during the weekend. Otherwise it's banned. And I'm sure they enforce it. And so. If you think about the brain drain of our young people playing all these video game platforms and watching TikTok videos all day long not in China like Elon Musk said I love my Chinese workers they show up and they're working hard the problem is he said I can't get anybody to work in the US he has plants in the in China and plants in the US well that is disheartening to see that their people are getting a great education and that they're working to build up China While our children are being distracted by a Chinese created uh, entity, TikTok, which also harvests every keystroke of every one of these uh, users on that app. They have the facial features of that user, their voice, every contact in their phone. So if you think about our military or our police officers using this app, you can bet the Chinese Communist Party has everything on them. And can you imagine how they could influence them or use that information uh, against us one day? Just like they're collecting DNA from all these uh, COVID-19 tests. So there's all kinds of ways they'll use information. Information is key, right? And king. So we have to push back against this. If you think about phase one of that trade deal that Donald Trump got with China, they're not honoring that. So they don't honor their agreements. They lie openly. In other words, they say they're going to do something and they don't. Here we are reducing our carbon emissions. They just are building 80 new coal-fired plants just this year. And they they use their coal in a dirty way. They don't have the scrubbers on them that we have here in the United States where we use Energy and burn it very cleanly. So there's all kinds of things they do to compete and to, and to defeat us. That if you look at their credible threats to Taiwan, they just did, they saber rattled with Nancy Pelosi going over there. I don't even want to get into the fact that she took her son and he has interests in two lithium companies. He's on the board over there and that, you know, and they visited, I guess, the chip, the chip, one of the chip manufacturer owners. So we have corruption at the highest levels in our U.S. government, and a lot of it has to do with China, Taiwan. If we think about it, we have this one China policy, and it's been an official policy of the U.S. for decades. But if Taiwan doesn't want to be part of China, it's shocking to me that that the world... <laughs> would go along with this. It seems like it's more like a hostage taking if you know if you think about the history of kai shek and and the fact that Taiwan is a democracy and China is not, it's definitely authoritarian. I think that that there is movement in the US government in how we perceive China and Taiwan and our relationship to both. I know that I was able to meet with the Taiwanese representative when I was the U.S. ambassador posted in Denmark and no U.S. ambassador had met with the Taiwan representative. It would be the equal of a Taiwan ambassador. No one else from the U.S. government had met with them at the high level um, in decades. I was the first. So I believe that there is a change going on as we see that China isn't a friendly trading partner. It's actually an aggressor that has openly said that they intend to defeat the
0: United States. Ambassador Sands, we have truly appreciated and admired your leadership when serving as America's ambassador to Denmark, but also representing America on some of these critical issues that we have been facing. And we also thank you for your continued leadership in educating, informing, and empowering our fellow citizens, which you also shared is so vital because without having the right information, without understanding the importance of our constitutional principles, our electorate, uh, those that are voting for individuals, are not able to make the wise decision. So thank you so much for articulating those uh, concerns and that message as well. This week on America's Roundtable, we have been honored to host a principal leader and a Tyler's champion for freedom, Ambassador Carlos Sands. Thank you so much, Ambassador Sands, for taking time and being with us on America's Roundtable.
1: Thank you so much,
2: Ambassador Sains. Thank you, Dintasha. Thank you, Joel. Great to talk to you. And thank you to your listeners.
1: Leading voices from business, government, media, technology, healthcare, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.